Good afternoon and welcome to the Tech Central podcast. My name is Daniel Robus. I'll be your host for today. And we are back with Sage and with AW Cape, great regular guests. I'm going to start with Jeff just because he's at the bottom left of my screen. Jeff Ryan, welcome. And I believe you're still baking in Durban. You haven't made the big move yet. How are you, Jeff? Yeah, I'm very well, Daniel. Great to be back again. I really love these chats with you and I always learn something out of them. So hopefully our audience gets something out of this as well. Yeah, it's 30 degrees here in Durban. So I'm 10 days and counting till I pack my bags and head down to Cape Town. I don't think it's going to be much cooler down there, but it definitely will be less humid. Brilliant. And I know the team's looking forward to welcoming you. I hope you found house and school. I know these are big things. They were weighing on us both last time we discussed but the Western Cape has got big arms and I'm sure they're going to embrace you. Tell me, are you guys closing down over the December period or is it business as usual for AWK? We definitely closed the physical office sort of around the 15th, 16th until the new year. Apparently Cape Town doesn't work too hard around that period. But from a support perspective, we definitely are open and support our clients. We have a lot of things that are critical systems. Some businesses do their end of year over December. So we have to be around to support them. And then obviously, because we look after payroll, you don't want anyone messing around with people's salaries or bonuses that time of year. So we definitely have staff available to help. I remember getting advice once we were in the Northern Cape doing a payroll implementation. And the person said, Daniel, you can mess with the production system. You can mess with the warehouse. But if you mess with the payroll, you're going to die. So it's uh, let's hope there's yeah. no there's no no casualties over December and good luck to you and the team for that. It is kind of this weird wind down, but you have to wind up and maintain that level of professionalism. Are you putting in any specific contact centers or contact numbers, or are they already in place and well established with your managed customers? Yeah, we have a pretty well-established customer support system and we have really good SLAs with our customers. And we also have a very good relationship with the consultants, the clients. They phone them directly on their mobile phones anyway, as well as raises support tickets. So I think we're well covered from that perspective. You know, we've got a very good support structure in terms of 24-7 support. I'm always available in escalations and, and really critical issues as well. I think, you know, the whole point is we really want to be there to support our clients. It's not like, you know, we're going on a holiday sort of mm. the new year. That's definitely not how we work. And the systems we work with, you know, they guarantee uptime, as we talk mm. about later, the staging sack. Mm. So you're never going to have issues mainly with the systems. It's generally just issues with maybe configuration or setup, which a lot of those projects don't happen over the years anyway. Yeah. And it's process understanding. And I think it's just having the comfort that a partner can hold your hand during these critical times when you're paying out bonuses. And may you pay out bonuses to all the customers during this time. Let's hope your year has been good enough for that. But you mentioned Sage Intact, and I think it's time to introduce Erica. Erica Moore from Sage Intact, welcome. It's the first time on the podcast. It's really good to have you with us from Pretoria. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's so yes. nice to have the big sister in this case, um, <laughs> to be the big sister on the call and representing Sage Intact. We are talking a little bit around professional services. So how did you get into this space? What's the journey that led you to be sitting here today? So Jeff, like you said, I was, I'm from Pretoria. I'm currently sitting in the office in Joburg, 
But yeah, born and bred Pretoria girl, went to school there as well, university, completed my business degree in specializing in marketing management. And then a friend of mine said to me, let's go to the UK. So I said, let's just go for six months. I'm not going to be one of those that stay behind for a year. So off we went and then the six months then became a six year life-changing experience where I worked for uh, Virgin Limited Edition, which is one of the 36 divisions of Virgin. Um, it's Richard Branson's hotels and events venues. So it was a lot of fun. I uh, learned a lot there as well. And then he um, helped me get a work permit. So I stayed for six years, returned to South Africa, and then I landed as the marketing manager of a hotel group in Centurion, close to Pretoria. And then from there, I went to UNISA and then decided I want to change, completely change direction. And I went to work for Softline, which wow. was the old VIP at that stage yes. and payroll. So you nothing about payroll, trained up as a, a sales consultant in payroll, learned everything about payroll tax, and then worked a couple of years in payroll sales, managed a couple of teams. And then when Sage acquired Sage Intact a couple of years ago, and it moved to South Africa last year, this opportunity crossed my path and then I grabbed it with both hands and here we are. Fantastic. And it's been in the news for about the ability to help with this digital transformation and speed it up in a low risk kind of rapid adopt way. I'm sure when you first started with Sage Intact, there were some things that were more challenging than you expected. What stood out for you that was like, whoa, I didn't count on that. So Sage Intact, just have to mention that as well, has been around for over 20 years. It was developed in the US. So it's not a new product. It was adopted by the Australian market and then the UK and then, it, and then we adopted it in South Africa. So lucky to have it, yes. Mm. Especially during a pandemic time, that made it a bit challenging to add, Daniel. Because I think during the pandemic, everyone wanted cloud. Everyone were forced to move and work remotely, which is a good thing that we had, Sage Intact. But it comes with quite a few obstacles, we call it, that, that the South African market is not yet ready for. So lucky and happy to have the product, but a few challenges that we had to sort out in the beginning, and we still are developing and enhancing the product. I think Jeff can testify to that mm. as well, adding functionality and just mm. streamlining it for the South African market, really, because our South African products in the Sage stack is quite advanced mm. and has been for a couple of years. So we just need to fill those gaps to match what the customers currently have. As a market leader on certainly the South African shores, there's almost an onus on you. There's a responsibility that lies with you to have localized products. Did you see that as a challenge when Intact first came about to get the localizations to the same level? Yes, so Intact is very, what we call vertical specific or industry specific. And it's, okay. it has, in South Africa, we got four of the eight verticals that are available in the US, for example. So we've got a strong focus on professional services, financial services, we call it general business, and then nonprofits, the US calls it not-for-profit. So those are the four strong industries that we focus on. Whereas in South Africa, if you look at our local market, we're very strong in manufacturing distribution, a lot of engineering firms, a lot of manufacturing, exporting businesses. So that's something we're very good at in South Africa. Mm. And that's something that Sage Intact is not yet at, and that we would need to also develop. But 
That said, we've got so many different products in the stack. Some are very good at manufacturing and distribution. I don't know if Intac's ever going to be that product. Yeah. But we do have our enterprise solutions and a lot of SSP smaller solutions as well. I think that's for everybody. That creates a really interesting gap for the partner, Jeff. And when we, we're going to dive in, I think, to professional services just because it's such an interesting market. Jeff, how do your teams work with Erica and her sales teams and architectural teams? How closely do you have to align with them? One of the great things about coming from the US, they had some very predefined processes that we you know, have to do an ex- exploratory approach with any potential customer. And we work very closely with Erica and her team on any sales prospect that would want the system. And I think it's also really an important aspect of a launch of a product in the country. You know, there's this thing about, you know, this new thing, it's great and everything and trying to promote and get as many sales. But there's also a risk that if you sell it to too many people and it's wrong for the fit and, and to Erica's point, if it's a wrong industry or vertical, you're going to have a bad name in the markets very, very, very quickly. Mm. So it's very important to go through the right understanding with the customers and see where the fit is and if the product is right for them. And, and like Erica said, we find that the verticals have been chosen. It fits perfectly and beautifully, you know, and once you get up and running in the clients, I mean, I've got a client that just keeps adding functionality now that they're on. And it's actually quite hard to keep up because they're demanding things that are not available in the country at the moment, which is a nice problem to have. Yes. But you know that you don't want to force a, a square peg in a round hole. And we've learned that the hard way with many of our customers over the years. And we've turned down deals because of it, because we know if you make a quick sale and then suddenly you're left with an implementation issue or, or bad brand reputation for the products that you're supporting, it's the worst possible scenario for a business partner. It's the worst possible situation for Sage. So we're yeah. very, very careful around who we've been choosing and who we're working with at the moment. So, Erica, if we can dive into what is professional services from a Sage perspective, how do you define it? Daniel, I would say professional service is basically any company that supplies any sort of service to another company or directly to the customer that's of a professional nature. So, I mean, that could vary. The kind of customers we've got would include engineering firms, marketing consulting, IT consulting businesses, and legal firms, just to name a few. But it's it's basically those ones. And we're looking at hourly billing as the common denominator, or are we looking at project billing? It's both. Some of them are hourly billing. And then some of them are very heavy on projects. Yes, very project focused. Okay, cool. So you catering for both of these and the economic denominator behind them is we're selling people, we're not selling product. Yes, we're selling services really. Okay, good. And that's quite a big portion of the South African marketplace at the moment. What's the uptake been like on this? Have we had solutions in place for this before? And why is Intact now making such a name? So with regards to the Sage offering, we've got so many products on the market, Daniel. I mean, from SSB all the way through to our X3 product, for example. And some of them are very specific and very strong in certain fields. Like if you look at Sage 300 or X3, they're very strong in manufacturing distribution. And then you look at the smaller products and they service all the accountants, for example. Yes. So we haven't had a specific one that's just for services. So I think this is a perfect product that serves that industry. And like Jeff said, it slots in really well. Not a square peg in a round hole. It works really well. And when it's a fit, it's a really good fit. So any financial services and then, like I said, professional services, but more so nonprofits. So it's got very specific nonprofit dashboards and reporting and all sorts of tools for them to track their grants, etc. 
Well, I was going to dive into that. So from an NPO perspective, if we are looking at where the funds are coming from, from donor grants, and then going out into projects, you're going to be able to track the whole life cycle of that? Yes, exactly. So I think, Jeff, have you guys done an implementation like that? I think so. I think Jeff can tell you we more. We haven't done an NPO, but we've done quite a lot of proposals for NPOs. So we've worked through quite in detail. And I think one of the things that, you know, when we, we showcase the product, Daniel, and I don't know if you sat through a demo yourself, but it's really, I had a CEO say, sorry, no, actually, we're not looking at Tableau or Power BI right now. I'm, Hold on, no, this is your financial platform with amazing reporting, statistical reporting, and that's what you're actually getting in addition to this really strong financial platform. And it's really that aspect mm. that from an MPO perspective, they've really thought through how MPOs or not-for-profits in, in the States have to understand where this, their funds are coming from, how they get distributed. You know, trying to do the same sort of reporting on other tools or other systems is quite problematic. In my previous life in Sage Intelligence was always a big request from MPOs that were using Sage products, but then the MPO functionality to, to create custom reports just for them specifically because they don't have sales. They're getting absolutely. donations grants. It's absolutely. a completely different environment. Why should an NPO in your mind consider intact, Jeff? So I think besides obviously the reporting out the box, you get, I think there's a couple of things that also come out of the box, which you know we haven't talked about, but there's a very tight association between Sage Foundation, which is a charity organization and Sage. And there's huge discounts for the, the MPOs on these products besides, you know, what we're looking for in the market in terms of growing and you mentioned. So Sage really wants to, to support non-for-profits through their charity organization as well. So there's a huge sponsorship coming from that side, the visibility into their data. I mean, one of the proposals we did was for a hospital. And because of the management of the stock and the wards and everything, the inventory side of things and how we could report of that, they were getting visibility into their business that they couldn't otherwise got from any other system. You know, you just can't get that sort of same understanding where, where the things. And if you look in a South African context, we have a lot of problems with corruption, fraud, theft, and everything like that. And the savings you would get from a system like Intact in those environments is massive. Okay. Okay. So the Sage Foundation, we can find that on the Sage website and we can get more details. Or people can speak to yourself at AW Cape and find out more yeah. about the NPO offering. Yeah, it's all on the websites. It's all on the Sage Foundation websites in terms of the different. And it's not just the intact product. It's all the products. is availability. It's a big cause of Sage. They really do give back to the community. And that's what this whole you know, Sage ethos is. It's about supporting small businesses, but also supporting the community. And it's our ethos as well. We, we love being part of that as well. Let's look at the next area in professional services. Probably timekeeping and time capture is one where we bleed the most money from professional services. How do you think you're making that easier, Erica, for professional services organization? Well, specifically, if you look at, for example, the engineering, even IT consulting, like companies like AWK as well, if they do offer that sort of service, We've got timesheets functionality as well that's built into Sage Intact that allows you to keep track of all the timesheets, hours built. You can then also track it against your budget. And you can also integrate, because Sage Intact was developed what the US would call APIs first, it's got strong integration capabilities. It allows you to integrate into other systems as well. And also, especially for those engineering companies, because they've got generally running other solutions as well that they would like to incorporate. 
But also if you look at the payroll then for hours billed and hours that you want to keep track of, you can then feed that back into your payroll as well. Or even so it's vice all, versa. So it's all integrated into one area. If we look at revenue generation through to revenue collection, we can see it in one system. And that's where Jeff was talking around the BI capabilities. So it's that BI to action kind of reporting that we're going to get. Now, I know we're having a chat for our audience members and it's pretty hard to see these things, but I know the Sage website is packed with information on this. So go and educate yourself on it. Go and have a look. If you are in professional services, easily the area where we lose the most is where we are losing hours that are not captured by our consultants or our people that are out there. And if you can plug that hole, there's a really good way of making more revenue without changing one thing. I'm always looking for the one thing that at the least effort can make the biggest impact. Jeff, what would you suggest from an intact perspective, from a sage intact perspective, is that one kind of that makes you think, wow, that's good? So the, I'm actually going to give you two, but the one that I would appeal to particularly is the time saving is the main key element that Intact delivers for me. Okay. So if you look at what the customers that have implemented so far, and this is globally, okay. something like 79%, I think, is, is the quoted figure in terms of decreasing close time. Now, if you translate that, which a lot of people don't, is if you look at the man days that your accounting department is doing right now in terms of your close, and you're saying you're going to have an 80% reduction in the time taken to close off your month, how much does that translate into a monthly salary bill that you're actually saving on? It is a massive amount of money in those bigger organizations, but even a small organization or CEO that's doing the sales and everything else, he's spending nine, 10 days closing off his month end. You know, in effectively what, you know, Intact's talking about is your continuous close. And that's just in one area because the close is so much simpler wow. in the system. Wow. The processes are much better. So that would be one area I'd definitely say that it is the value add. Okay. And you were going to say two. So don't you, you're not going to get away with it that easily. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, the, so the other, the other, the, the other one is the, the time saving. So we're obviously looking about professional services in particular, but the overall average is a 65% improvements in productivity. Now, it's not necessarily just in the fact that you've got integrated timesheets, you've got spend management to prevent, you know, overspending on projects or on your budgets. It's not just that you've got automated workflows. It's not that you don't have real insight into your data. It's just everything is thought through from a business process perspective. And we actually, every time we go to a client, it's like, we don't want to replicate what you're doing on your current system Mm. because that would be a waste of the system. What mm. you want to do here is completely rethink how your business works because your productivity saving is going to be huge. And I'll give you an example. So because of the rigidity of your chart of accounts previously, you would have to separate out your sales accounts into whatever item. So you'd have sales from this, sales from that, and you'd have an account for each of those. Because of the dimensional reporting, you have one sales account and you tag the transaction at the point in time that it happens you can report and pivot your data off that. And you can, at the click of a button, you can change your whole income statement, your balance sheet, real time, not produced reports in Excel, manipulated right then and there. So from a productivity perspective across the business. That is power. That is really, really power because the more time you have to look at the money that you've got and where you are, 
the more time you have for decision making. Erica, Jeff's job is to make this work. How long does it take from interest to go live in your experience on this side? Jeff, looking at years here, this is going to take years <laughs> to get this stuff live. What are we looking at? So, Daniel, we've tracked the sales cycle over the last year. It's an average 58 days to sell the solution. And then for Jeff and team to implement, it could be quite quick. I think the quickest implementation we've done was six weeks. Generally, I would say about two to three months just to ensure that everyone is up and running and happy. So it's quite short in comparison to some of the other products. Yeah, just Daniel, on that, we had feedback from shareholders of a company we've just implemented from. And the CFO said that when he presented to the board that, you know, they're pretty much they're live and now it's just a few teething issues and whatever. And we've done it in four, maybe five months at a push, but we've taken it very slowly. And they said they were expecting at least a year, maybe two, given the experience of previous ERP implementations and the scale of where you're putting the system into. Oh, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal breakthrough from us. Wow. Do you attribute that to these mature business processes that you're adopting? So we're not brown papering anymore. We're going in, we understand procure to pay. Uh, yeah, look, I, th I, I think there's a lot to do with the credit to the system. I think my team particularly are very experienced in terms of implement systems, so that helps. Yeah. But there was some serious roadblocks that are raised that, you know, like we talked about the localizations and stuff. And it's, it's how your maturity, both of the system to be able to handle those difficulties and credit to say it in terms of the support and everything in terms of getting around those. And then also just, you know, we're in the, the business of business partnerships. So we don't see problems or obstacles and then kind of put our hands up and mm. say, oh, well, you need, mm. we want to solve those problems. And I think in a lot of ways, we found opportunities. You know, and we actually, you know, I've talked to you previously, Daniel, about, you know, these systems are becoming easier to use. So we need our own recurring revenue models as well. So we are exploring these obstacles or localization issues as opportunities to grow our own business. And if you take everything in life like that, there's just more opportunity rather than issues. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeff, we could talk around the deployment side for a long time. It's, it's my background. I'm very comfortable with it. I want to go off there and go on to Erica and give you a bit of a grilling about being a sales director. And a sales director, especially in Sage and in Sage Intact, it's a big brand. It's a high-profile role. What is the one commonly held belief about your role that you passionately disagree with? I would have to say if I think about a sales director role, you think of somebody sitting in a little ivory tower removed from the rest of the team and, and reality. But with Sage Intact, especially because it's a new product and it was launched and it was dropped in our laps and said, run with it, we work very closely with our partners. I think Jeff can speak to that as well. We work very closely with our sales teams and customers, the back-end staff as well. We've got a center of excellence, our product team. We work very closely with the U.S. So it's getting your hands dirty all day long and thinking outside the box and trying to come up with new plans. Like Jeff said, we have to come up with new plans to, to streamline processes and, and getting, developing new ideas to make it work and make it better. So I know you're not, this is an unfair question because you're in the Joburg office, but what is the problem that's on your whiteboard right now that you're trying to solve before first quarter next year? So our biggest thing, definitely, it's called Cash Book and bank manager 
that is available in all our products that is not as easy to use in Intact, if I can call it that. It's not really that. It's just that you, you've got more clicks in Intact, whereas our customers that are on our legacy products are so used to seeing everything in one screen, okay. whereas as Intact slightly different because the U.S. use checks. They don't use cash. So, yeah, <laughs> we've got a unique problem that we need to fix. But that's fine. So we've got uh, lots of workarounds and AWK is on board with that as well. And host I was just going to mention, mm, yeah, go, just go, to go, mention go. there, Daniel, we actually went live this week with our client with our solution. So we have a with the problem and it's alive with the client. So it's, oh, brilliant. It's, you know, so that's, that's the sort of thing where I say you pick up these items and you run with it and now there's an opportunity to actually grow the business. Anyone out there struggling with it must approach us and we'll help yeah. them support them as well. I mean, that's, that's what we do is grow businesses. It's not about, you know, this is our IP or whatever. We want to see this product succeed in the market as well. Awesome. Awesome. Erica, again, you've got lots of competition on lots of sides. There's lots of people that want to come and eat the sage lunch. If you had 10 times the budget that you had now, what would you spend it on from an outward facing perspective? Definitely marketing. I'm from a market, I've got a marketing background, like I said, so I think you can never have too much money to spend on marketing. We had a radio campaign the other day and just to see the effect of the radio campaign was amazing. So it's not generally that we do a lot of above the line marketing like that for a product, Sage product specifically, but definitely more of that, yes. So you are South Africa's best kept secret. Sage Impact? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. That's, isn't it strange how almost anti-above-the-line marketing our software vendors are? And it just doesn't get to me. I, people don't know what we do. How are they yeah. ever going to just come and buy it? So, yeah, I really respect you guys for these podcasts and just getting it out there because people deserve to know. We've still got people that are doing their month end on Excel. Come on, guys. Come on, the risks there is terrible. My last question directed at you, then I'm going to dive into Jeff with a couple of tough ones. What do you think are the biggest challenges our industry is facing in 2022 as we go into another uncertain year? For us, I would say definitely it's a balancing act between native cloud solutions versus legacy products. We've got hundreds of thousands of customers at Sage on our legacy products. They're such awesome products. And then you've got cloud. And then if you've got a cloud focus, where should you invest? So it's a bit of a a catch-22, but I mean, you've got this problem of what you, you can't move all those customers, but you've got this lovely product. So where Mm. should you invest the money? Mm. I think that's that's the problem we sit with. And what can customers come to you to get help on the clarification on that? What services do you offer to help them on this journey, making the right decision? I think from a product point of view and customer focus point of view, like Jeff said, we want to make sure they choose the right product. We don't want to force a product on them. We've got various solutions out there. We've got cloud solutions. We've got on-premise. I mean, depends on what their needs are. We've definitely got a cloud focus. We've developed that over the next, over the last year or so, specifically also when, like I said, with the pandemic, when everyone had to work remotely. So we will always consult with the customer and spend time with them and do what we call an intact a discovery session. But on all our okay. products, we do needs analysis and analyze their needs and ensure that we sell them the correct. Product. And does that cost them anything? 
No, it's free of charge. Okay. So they can come to you to get a discovery session to find out where they are on their journey, take that away and then engage with someone like AWK. And I know you've got lots of partners and partners suit your culture, select a partner and then they can go on that line. So Jeff, let me take that to you. We've got a customer that's going on a discovery session. What does AWK then do? How do you take them down this journey? So it's a very similar approach to, to Eric and maybe it's just a bit more detail because, you know, it's, I find that the, the conversations I have with clients, the most successful ones are understanding their whole drive and strategy. You know, buying a, a solution, there's a reason and justification behind it. You know, there's an efficiency problem in the business or they don't have business insights or, okay. you know, they're spending too much or the system's not. What is that understanding? So understanding that the reason behind the purchase is the first thing. The second thing is don't try and do it in isolation. It's why we've invested heavily as AWK in automation integration because it's one thing to have Sage and Tact in place and a great cloud system, but yet you've got your four other primary systems in the business. We talked about manufacturing and everything. It's sitting on-premise behind a firewall that only the operator who knows three passwords can access. You really can't. <laughs> you're really not. You're not winning by having Intact in place. So, you know, that's, that's for me. And, and I, you know, from my days of consulting and helping businesses, my nephew asked me, what do I do? And it's very difficult to tell seven year olds, you know, that I'm MD or business developer. So I said, you know, I help businesses solve problems. And that's what I believe in fundamentally. Okay. We're not here to sell you a system. If it's the wrong system for you, don't buy it because it's a bad reputation for us. It's a bad reputation for Sage. We're here to help you find a solution to make your business run better. I fundamentally believe that Intact can drive those. So the key points you, don't, you, know, you touched on, like you know, Excel, people working there, that's one aspect. But what people don't realize is how much they're actually spending on those legacy systems. Mm. They see the subscription mm. costs of the cloud base and they don't compare the like for like, how much they're spending on their server room, how much they're spending on that IT technician. What is the cabling in the office code? What is the audit that comes every year and the time that the people have to speak to auditors around if there's a, a fire drill for the security mm. room? You know, all of those things, they don't take into consideration. That's all handled mm. by intact and cloud products. Mm. And, you know, from my perspective, it's really around making sure that they understand what they're purchasing and what they're getting for their money. And once there's transparency there and they embrace it, we haven't had an unhappy customer in terms of the product yet. Wow, and, that's, and I think that's, yeah. So that's, that's outstanding. That's outstanding. And your website is full of information where people can get it. So just to the audience members, go and put them to the test, go to the AW Cape website, have a look at it, see what some of the customers have had to say and uh, give them a call, give Jeff a call. Jeff, I think that we are past the point where we are having the cloud or on-prem discussion. We have strategies going forward. One of the things I would like to hear about is how many of your responses are RFP-based and if there is a lot of RFP, because that seems to be a South African thing, how would you like to change the RFP to be more valuable to the partner, Sage, the OEM, and the customer? So, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll not need a bit of clarification on RFP, so, but I, I, would, I would also hope that the cloud conversation versus on-premise is gone. But last week, we had someone who chose on-premise over um, cloud. So I don't think for a lot of businesses... From mm. a cost perspective in mm. the economy that we're in, mm. sometimes that, that decision is different. And people are kind of bait fuss, not investing, not making risks. And, mm. and I think 
you have to appreciate each customer. Just on the clarification, RFP, you're talking more in the non-private sector, you talk, or are you talking just RFPs in general for just for RFPs private. in general? Yeah, so I think you know one of the things from an RFP perspective that it's hard within in an environment is you don't know how much information has been disclosed to each party that's kind of competing. And no one minds losing a deal if everything's kind of fair, fairly disclosed. But I'll give an example where we've just gone through an RFP process and the requirements document was obviously written, because I know from the background, on another product's kind of template from a requirements analysis document. So it's very obvious that they've already had an engagement with partners or consultants on another product, which is very different. So there's a there's a very different then perspective in terms of that conversation. You don't know what those conversations over coffee or through the requirements analysis, the subtleties in some of those RFPs can be hugely differential. As I said to you when I asked the question, what is the strategy behind the system? If we haven't had those conversations because it's a complete closed book, here's a, a piece of paper, give us your best proposal. I have no context of what I'm going into this business. Is there pain point cost? Is the business really looking to grow? Are they straining on their currencies? That's the kind of context that needs to happen first in any RFP. And it should be freely available to all the partners. And then they can gauge their proposal around that. Awesome. 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 Erica, the same question just phrased differently. Obviously, you are the first point of call when we get into these discussions, it's OEM against OEM. What would you like to see changed when people are making selections which are as big as the ERP system? I would like to see them make the right decisions based on, like you said, what's the future strategy of their specific business? And also keep in mind that a lot of people have a misconception about cloud, that it's more expensive. But in actual fact, if you look at True SaaS, I mean, it's all about service to the customer. It's all about that relationship with the customer. And you as a service provider like Sage, for us, we need to ensure that the customer is happy. We need to build that relationship. And in I mean, True SaaS, they can opt out. It's a, generally a monthly subscription, and they can opt out at any given time. Wow. So, so look at your lock-in. So, That's a very interesting one. I didn't think of that. What three things should they look at when selecting a business system of this nature? They should definitely look from their point of view what sort of business they are. If they're a services oriented business, mm-hmm. then we should definitely look at, at a product like TakeSage Intact that can streamline those processes, have available dashboards and reporting tools available. If they're more on manufacturing and distribution side or in any other industry, then they would need to consider a different type of product, obviously. Okay, so um, it should be focused on the industry. So we don't have to configure it specifically for the industry. That would be the first one. Is there an industry fit? And then secondly, I would say, do they have other systems that they would need to integrate and what that integration needs to look like and how often? Because, I mean, if you look at the bigger kind of businesses, they've got very bespoke systems that are running in the back end. And generally, they can't get rid of those. And we don't necessarily want them to either. So that's where the business partners also come in because they generally write those integrations. I like that. That's the second point. And then the third? Third point I would say is cost is always an issue in South Africa. Okay. Generally, we deal a lot with the rest of the globe at the moment, and it doesn't seem to be such a big problem across the globe like we have in South Africa. Our customers are very cost-sensitive and price-sensitive. And for a reason, I'm like, 
just got a message from my mother saying, put, put petrol in your car today, it's, it's much more expensive. Um, so they really need to look at, at, at pricing. And some of our products, especially if you look at our existing customers running on some of our legacy solutions as well, those products are so well developed over time that they offer so much functionality at such a low cost okay. that they, if they choose a different product, they need to obviously ensure that that new product has whatever functionality they used to and more. And then decide on I like that. Time. So cost and how it escalates and then the functionality that you're paying for. Because the other side is also someone can be offering a Rolls Royce, but actually you need a Bantam Bucky to carry heavy loads. That's- you don't need a Rolls. Okay, I like that. Jeff, mine is slightly different to you. Obviously, you're the MD of a services company. What are the three pieces of advice when selecting a partner to make a deployment of this nature? So I think the partner choice, it's down to trust. And that would be the key thing is, and it's not trust from, you know, what we've done previously, you know, customer success stories, everything, you know, people can write up the references and pick and choose the ones that they want. I'm not saying we do that because we already have a thin number of customers that are all on the website. But I'm just saying that, you know, for, from my perspective, trust starts from the first engagement with the customer. Okay. Understanding their needs and being honest. You know, being honest about what the system can do and what the system can't do. And, you know, once you have that discussion, the trust is built from day one. So that any issues come up, it's generally an easier discussion because it was an unknown. Okay. You know, the, everyone can accept that people make mistakes as long as they've been honest about it. If you deliberately try and hide something up front and you know about it, that's when the issues actually result. So the first thing would be for trust. I think the second one then, it kind of falls off that is, your capabilities, you know, the business partner itself, do they have the capabilities, whether from experience or skills, to actually deliver on what you need? And that might be the implementation of one system like Sage Intact, or it might be a holistic thing like Eric talked in my big organization. Have they experience of integrating other systems? Do they have a strong development need to develop these integrations for them? Mm. Have they any experience mm. in the manufacturing industry if they're looking at a particular vertical? So that would be the second thing from a capability side of things. And then I think that the third thing that's probably missed in most people, but it's becoming probably a less issue with these great products, but the maintenance and support, what sort of level of support and how expensive is it going to be to maintain the system through the business partner? You know, okay. are they very transparent about how those rates are? What is their SLAs like? How available over Christmas holidays are they going to be? Yeah. Are they going to bend over yeah. backwards to make a plan for you? No, I like that. Jeff, as usual, you've been an absolute pleasure. Erica, you have added a different dimension to our discussion today. And might I say, from the Sage execs that I've met, you are cut from the same cloth. I like it. <laughs> Not afraid to take on some of the tough questions. It's good. Guys, you work in a highly combustible environment when you're working on the heart of businesses. So I know the pressures that you're under. I just want to wish you well for the December period, for the break, for a rejuvenation, refocus, relearning, continual growth mindset for South Africa and the continent. Good luck for your big move, Jeff. I can't wait to visit you in Cape Town in the offices. I'm still waiting for that coffee offer. And yeah, for yeah. Your... It's, it's, it's on the table. It's a, uh, I'm just going to make sure it's warm when you arrive. Brilliant. And Erica... <laughs> Thank you for going through to the Joburg offices and good luck for your break. 
From my side, Daniel Robus, what an entertaining hour we've spent with Erica and Jeff. Have a blessed December period. Have a good break. And from our side, ciao. Thanks a lot, Daniel. Thanks, Erica. Bye. Thank you.